0: It's time for
1: JT the Brick. JT. Woo! Hey, girls. How are you? Wow, I can go in 10 different directions today. Carr looking downfield. Devontae's wide open. At the two. Grabs it. Touchdown, Raiders. The defender had fallen down, and Devontae Adams has his second touchdown grab of the half.
0: JT the Brick.
1: I think it's so important, especially for this new generation of Raiders fans. Now we got something. Now we got some guys out of the tub, out of the training room. Doing what they needed to do. The late hand up to Jacobs. Huge hole at the middle, 10. Cuts right outside. 5. Touchdown, Jacobs! The hat trick in the end zone. His third rushing touchdown
0: of the day. This is, this is what the Raiders are all about.
1: And now,
0: here's JT the brick.
1: Out of the gate, JT with you on a great day to be on the flagship of the silver and black. Wow, I got second half, Portugal 2 Switzerland nil, and Spain lost today as we open up the show. Spain loses in the World Cup, which means that entire country is just on red alert. they got to be freaking out now. Welcome into the show. We're brought to you by PTs. They are our proud partner. They fuel the monologue, get me going every day. 64-plus locations here in the Valley, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, always easily the best happy hour in town and a place to go watch UFC, any big event you want to watch, football, basketball, running Rebels. How about how about Kevin Kruger and UNLV basketball being undefeated as they're going to play some games at the Dollar Loan Center, the DLC. These are all places where you can pregame at PTs, and they would love to have you in there. So a lot going on there. We welcome you into the show. Just got back from the Raider facility. I was there all morning. Today, we hosted Raiders Roundtable. That'll come out later today. Lincoln Kennedy was live in studio with us. Lincoln's normally at home in Arizona. And Q and myself, we went back and we recapped the Charger win. We took a look at the Cliff Branch Hall of Fame ceremony at halftime. They got gorgeous video of it. You wouldn't believe, from the Raiders archives, gorgeous. It's going to look great when you watch the podcast later today. Uh, Jacoby Ford's going to join us. He portrayed Cliff. He played Cliff Branch in that halftime ceremony. I thought he was spectacular. He's going to join us at one thirty. Uh, Levi Edwards is going to join us from the Raiders digital team at one oh five. Ben Brown, who's a kind of a jack of all trades from Pro Football Focus, at the bottom of the hour. And hopefully, we hear from you, the Raider fans, because it's a short week for me. I'm traveling with the team tomorrow to Los Angeles. I'll be back on the radio Friday, still hosting the pregame show. Live from Los Angeles at SoFi, but this is my last show for you to predict the game. And that's what I need help with you today, is because I don't have a bad feeling about this game, but a lot of people do, outside the Raider facility. I talked to handicappers today that told me this is a bad spot for the Raiders. I said, what? They said it's a really bad spot. They've won three in a row. This is a classic spot for a letdown. I said, well, explain that to me. Well, just looking at the numbers and what the Raiders have done in their three losses leading up to the three wins, and they put so much into it that it's the classic spot potentially for a letdown. And I said, well, wait a second. The Rams look like a mess. If you watch the Rams game against Seattle, I did in preparation for the podcast and show today. Man, the Rams and the Seahawks played like hungry dogs that last fourth quarter, man. It was hard, just like the Raiders and the Chargers. So the Rams, the Rams have nothing to play for, nothing, other than pride. Because they've lost six in a row, eight out of nine. I mean, that's hard to do in this league, and it's impossible to do if you're the reigning world champs. That just doesn't happen with the Super Bowl champs. You don't lose six in a row. But no Stafford, no Cooper Cup. We'll wait to hear officially on Aaron Donald. The Raiders are waiting on Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro on a short week. There's a lot out there in this game I don't like. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty in this game. Now, it's a home game for the Raiders because they outdraw everybody in L.A. No debate. So I think the Raider fans will have the energy there and all that. But I was very concerned about the start for the Raiders against the Chargers in a must-win game because they came out, and again, they did not look like they were executing, and they had to come back from down 10, and they were able to do it and win by a score. So they can't do that against the Rams. This is the one game this year, everybody, because we got to wipe out what happened in New Orleans. Got to wipe out what happened with Jeff Saturday and the Colts, and especially what happened in Jacksonville. Remember in Jacksonville, they had a 17-0 lead in that game. I really believe the Raiders have to play with the lead in this game and put this game away early, early in the second half. Where the Rams don't believe they can win the game. They just don't have the quarterback to do it. They don't have the players to do it. They're just too injured, and the will to win is taken out of their soul where they look at it again and say, we're not winning this game. We're down by 10. We're down by 13. They got Derek Carr. They got Devontae. Josh Jacobs is running it down our ass. We can't win, and they're not going to sustain their blocks and play hard. That's the best-case scenario. But what happens if the Raiders play every game like they played this year where it's a tight game other than New Orleans? What happens if the Raiders are in this game in the fourth quarter and they're down or they're up by three and we have one of those heart-wrenching games again? Can they do it again and play great? Sure they can. But I don't think they could be in that position and win this one. I really believe they have to start fast. They have to start with a purpose. It can't take them a quarter to wake up. they got to be ready to go. Because if they win this game, it's going to be glorious around Raider Nation. The Raiders get what is a bye week, short travel. They're not coming back like other teams from Europe, right? They're not coming back for a bye week after London or Germany. They're on a 45-minute flight from L.A. right back to Henderson, and then they're off, and then they get some time off because they don't play to the following Sunday at home to New England, which is the game most of the Raider Nation had circled this year, Belichick versus Josh McDaniels. So this is a big spot. Go in the game. How do you win the game? Are you able to get Waller and Renfro up, or is it too risky with no practice this week? Do you run the ball with Josh Jacobs, or do you like the Devontae matchup? Remember, Devontae is going to go up against Jalen Ramsey, depending on who they have on him and what's going to happen in this game due to health. That's going to be a tougher matchup, and the Rams' secondary at times has some playmakers, some guys who go after the ball. Derrick's got to play well. He started off slow against the Chargers week one in the same building. Derek started off slow this last game. derek has got to play big. He's facing a quarterback with three starts with no experience. And Derek's facing a lot of quarterbacks down the stretch here that have literally no experience. So again, I don't have a problem putting the weight, not the weight of the world, but the weight on a couple of football games on the franchise quarterbacks back. What are we talking about here? This is a team that's under 500. This is a team that started slow. This is a team with a quarterback who's been to a few Pro Bowls. This is a team with a quarterback who normally throws for 4,000 yards. You better believe this quarterback's got to stay hot. You better believe this quarterback's got to outperform the guys he's going up against. Because that didn't happen against Andy Dalton. It didn't happen against Trevor Lawrence. And it didn't happen against Matt Ryan at Allegiant Stadium. But, Derek, I thought outplayed Justin Herbert in crunch time with a much better game in the second half with some big throws. So there is pressure on this game. And I think thanks to you, the great fans of the Raider Nation, no one is looking ahead. The people who are giving me credit for calming everybody down, acting like we were on the boat of the Titanic, and I was telling everybody, No, you don't have to grab your life vest. You don't have to grab your lifeboats. Everything's okay. We're not sinking. We're not going downhill. I think a lot of Raider fans now realize that the program's in good place. It's in a good place. The coach is a really good coach. The GM's a really good young GM. They got good players here, and the locker room's as tight as ever. I mean, you'd have to be Ray Charles if you didn't see what's happened in this locker room the last couple of weeks. I mean, come on. You see these celebrations? They're unbelievable. They're great celebrations because the team is happy to win for each other. Now they got to go beat the world champions. And when the schedule came out, I expected to see Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. Can you, can you imagine what a healthy Cooper Cup could do to this middle of the field where he lives and won the Triple Crown, had a Jerry Rice year last year? He's not playing. The Raiders get a big break here, and hopefully the Raiders are getting healthier. So we want to hear from you on this. We want to hear from you now. Fly on in here like it's game day, and let's hear from you at 702 365 Ninety-two hundred. As we open up the show, look, they're a running team now. They're a running. Portugal just scored, by the way. They're up three nothing. Portugal, who benched Ronaldo to start the game, which is remarkable to me. They're they're about to win this game. They're up three nothing. So Josh Jacobs is running the ball. I looked Lincoln Kennedy right in the eye today in the studio and say, and said, I think this is Devonte's team. And Lincoln looked at me. No, it's Josh. Josh is having an all-pro year running the ball. I believe the strength of this team is Devontae Adams. I love what Josh Jacobs is doing. But Josh Jacobs can be stopped in certain games. You know, a lot of times for a lot of years here, he averaged a little over 50 yards a game. Now he's good, it feels like, for 130 to 150 a game. This is going to be interesting to see how Derek spreads the ball out against a team that's well-coached and coming off a Super Bowl. I think that Josh Jacobs got to have another monster game. Monster game, and that's a lot of slowing the game down because the Raiders are running it, the clock is running, and the Raiders don't run away and hide in the first half. These games are always tight, heading into halftime and coming out of halftime. I want to see this team attack. I want to see this team with four touchdowns in the end zone. I want to see this team bury the Rams and take away their season, and then put it back on the Raiders before they get some time off of the Patriots. Are you with me? What is your one key to the game? What is the one thing you're concerned about? What is the one thing that the Raiders could trip up on if they're not careful? You're the fans of the Raider Nation. You know the team. What are the things that the Raiders have to make sure that are buttoned up on a short week? I think the other big key is Chandler Jones has come alive. Good to see that. You know, a lot of people calling into the shows, you know, well, Chandler's playing better. Chandler's playing better. Chandler's had a better year than, than you think. Chandler was paid a lot of money to get sacks. He wasn't paid a lot of money to stop the run. He's paid a lot of money to get sacks. And he's done a good job stopping the run and sealing the edge. Now he's knocking down balls at the line of scrimmage, and he's coming off a three-sack game. It's the perfect time of the year now where Chandler Jones' legs are activating. He, his legs are activating. He looks fresh. And he looks like a guy who's on his way to the Hall of Fame for his entire body of work and could probably dominate some of these teams coming up down the stretch because of the inexperienced quarterbacks. Hey, everybody. We got a bunch of quarterbacks coming up that aren't at the level of Derek Carr. So Carr's got to play at his level or higher in the Raider defensive line with that interior pass rush with the addition of Tillery. What a great pickup that is. And the middle of that defensive line is really opening it up for Max Crosby and, I believe, Chandler Jones. So I'm excited. Notice I'm not looking too far ahead. But if you give me the opportunity next week to do what I do best, is to fire up this fan base coming off a win four in a row, coming into New England after the Raiders got screwed and that game was flexed out of prime time, we're going to have one hell of a week next week. But it only matters... If the Raiders are able to beat the Rams, I'm confident they're going to beat the Rams. I think they're the better team. And the Rams have lost eight out of nine. I'd be nuts if I was on the flagship of the Raiders thinking they couldn't win this game. But I'm not guaranteeing anything. Not guaranteeing anything because I know the pride of a Super Bowl championship team. There's a lot of other news out there in the NFL. The Titans fired their GM Robinson after that loss to the Eagles. Wow, talk about a knee-jerk reaction there. Odell Beckham Jr. is discussing his options with the Dallas Cowboys, and it looks like Aaron Judge was just offered a massive contract by the San Francisco Giants, and the Yankees need to counter it. So will Judge sign today or not? Reports are that Judge got a massive deal, well over $300 million, right now from San Francisco and John Heyman from MLB network says the Yankees are still in the driver's seat there, but you don't know. I mean, Joe, you know, you look at a $360 million deal. You look at a big deal like this and I'm bringing up John Heyman as we speak and he's looking at this deal and what the Yankees need to counter on. This is the biggest story in all of baseball. Actually biggest story in all of baseball. Here it is. Giants are in with a big offer to judge. Believed to be 360 million, neighborhood. But the assumption belief among rivals is that the Yankees remain the favorites. Yankees are hopeful, but say they still don't know. I don't know what that means, but that's a big deal. And the Padres made an offer to Trey Turner for more than the Lindor deal of 341 million. And Trey Turner leaves the Dodgers and goes to Philadelphia. So things are heating up right now, heating up in a big way. We're going to stay with the Raiders. we got a big Raiders show, obviously, lined up. Oh, and Bobby, can you get me that shootout goal? What a goal by the Golden Knights in the shootout, the very last second of this game, going up against one of the best teams in hockey. Cassidy returns to Boston. They have the video tribute for Vegas' new head coach, and then they come through and win this way. First attempt this season for Smith. The lefty carves his way in, right, then left, straight on, he scores! Riley Smith wins it for the Golden Knights! 4-3 the final in Boston! Man, I love watching this hockey team, Dan Duv on the call, that was fun last night. Wife and I, remember I told you, four, 5, six, 7 years ago, there's no hockey in my house, now there's hockey every night. I'm in the middle of a commercial break doing my night show, and my wife is locked in watching the Golden Knights. Love when this team competes, and that was a great win last night. Let's get out to Gangsta Raider, who's waiting for the Raider Nation in Los Angeles on Thursday. Go
0: ahead. Hey, what's up, JT? Oh, the only thing that concerns me about the Rams is Cooper Cup. That Cooper Cup guy, he, he seems like he's unstoppable, but... With Stafford being out, I think they're going to lean on him because they got a young quarterback.
1: So well, Cup's out. Cooper Cup's out, so you don't have to worry oh. about that. He's out. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's on oh, okay. IR, so that's a big part of this deal now, and the depth is being challenged here. They do have other good receivers who stepped up. Their last week receiver only had 40 yards, but Stafford and Cup being out is a big deal for the Raiders and the advantage of the rosters.
0: Yeah, but also we can't take this game lightly cuz I remember the last time we played them in regular season, I think they were still in St. Louis, but they beat us 52 to nothing. Remember that, JT? Oh, I
1: remember it well. It was one of the worst losses yeah, so in later history.
0: That Derrick Carr was the quarterback on that team and he needs to get some get back. So he needs to not have another team. I mean, the rest of our team looking over this team because of their record, but also have some payback cuz they beat us 52 nothing. You know, so I think that's the worst loss of his career. So he should remember that, and she she should pump up the rest of the team to get some payback for the Rams for them doing us like that in our vacation home. You know what I'm saying? And also, I think that long as we run the ball correctly, even even if not if it's not Josh, Josh, Josh Jacobs, we could use him as a decoy and give it to um the fullback, or Zamir, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he might not be fully rested, but we can still use him as a decoy, but you, uh, use other runners to run the ball. And anybody that's coming to L.A., make sure you get there early, make sure you get there on time, and you be black. I mean, we, we it's not a home game, but I like to wear black at the home games. Yeah. So if you're going to wear it, just make sure you rate it out, whether it's the white jersey or the black jersey. And also, shout-out to um Original Surfer Bob and his Uncle Tom. He used to always put the um Cliff Corner um sign up at the old – um on Raider games in Oakland. And is there any way we can see the video of that Cliff Brass tribute for the people yeah. who wasn't there at the game? Yeah that'll,
1: be a, yeah, that'll be at Raiders.com. And thanks for the call, my friend. I'll see you out there. We'll find a tailgate and all will meet up. That's, a big part of that is going to be today on Raiders Roundtable. So you should all be subscribed to Raiders Roundtable, the podcast that we do in-house. And then there's a big chunk of it where we go through that tribute and they play it, and it's really good. And you see it from the field perspective, so look for that today. A Rams backup quarterback, John Walford, started Sunday against Seattle. He completed only 14 passes for 14 to 26 for 178 and two interceptions. So John Walford has to be stopped. And the Raiders secondary should be licking their bleeping chops to get after this guy. Get after this guy. This is not even a backup quarterback. This is almost like an emergency backup quarterback. And the Raiders find out that they're going to play Brock Purdy, most likely, on New Year's Day instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. And look at the rest of the schedule here for the Silver and Black and who they have. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett doesn't have a lot of experience. And Mac Jones. I'll take that matchup all day long. Opens up a line for you. 702-365-9200. Snow Raider in beautiful Tahoe. Hey, thanks, JT. Thanks, Bobby.
2: Real quick couple points. This past game was great. Um, I got to go to the game. I was in uh, the Section 129 down there in the end zone area. I had a spot, good view, of gorilla Rilla the whole time, and that stadium is amazing. I tell you, I'm blown away by it. I could see a whole play from everywhere, even though I was at one side of the field. Uh, All the staff were nice. You were saying the other day about – People coming in and cleaning up afterwards, I couldn't agree more. Thank you to all those people. What a beautiful venue. Everyone was nice. Great experience. Halftime with Clip Ranch, I had goosebumps. See all those people out there. Thanks for the tip of, you know, Mm. don't leave your seat at halftime. That made it all worth it. Nice. I owe you, and Eric, an apology. I tried to come by the torch. I missed you guys shortly. Uh, Right there uh, to Mm. say hi at the torch, but I gave it my all. Um, we had a great time. The, uh, we were down at uh, J-Lot about 9.30, 10, and I was asking around for you. Everyone was real nice to sit in. It was just the timing was off. We'll get you next time, though. Uh, I'll close out with this. So I think this game is a trap game. You're right. Uh, that's a good point. But this group has won four in a row before when their backs so are against the wall, and uh, hopefully they can do it again here. We'll catch you again, and Raiders all the way. A1 experience. Raider Nation is the best.
1: Great. Good to hear from you. Thanks a lot, and I'm in the J-Lot at the Black Hole, which is in the corner closer to the stadium, and bop around there when I park and go right there. And great crowd at the Torch. We appreciate that great crowd at the Torch. Is there having a Raiders Appreciation Day? If you're a season ticket holder, you should know about that event that's going to go on a little bit later on. 702-365-9200. The Clip Rant celebration was great. Whenever you can get those gold jackets in attendance, and they always come, and everybody, I think you get that. That's not cheap, right? You're bringing all those gentlemen in. All right, with their significant others, and they're in suites, and they're on the field, and you have them here in hotels and all that. What Mark Davis does with this alumni group is second to none. No team in professional sports treats their alumni as good as the Raiders. Sorry, everybody. I don't care if it's the Yankees, the Steelers. I've talked to people about it. No team in professional sports treats their alumni better, and the alumni really appreciate that. All right, that's the monologue as we're brought to you by our good friends at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. They have great dining experiences. The pool, I like to go to Olives. Todd English is Olives, and I always go to see my buddy J.O.D. Always go to One Steakhouse. If you're looking for a great steak and an amazing experience at the bar, just get inside Virgin Hotels Las Vegas and ask for One Steak. Also, I want to dedicate the power of this show and the energy to Mills Lane the legendary boxing referee who died at the age of 85 i've interviewed him several times in my career i've been ringside for a lot of his fights you remember the voice here's mills lane
0: never in my life could i imagine anything i've never seen it i couldn't even imagine i'm a screenwriter a novelist i couldn't dream that up and have that in a script or a novel and have anybody believe it
3: why did you stop
2: how many times you want to get bit there's a goddamn limit to everything, you know, including bites.
4: Well, that's out. why. Now Tyson's camp will say that the, the headbutts
2: were intentional. Head, oh, bullsh- the headbutt was an unintentional but The headbutt was an unintentional butt, and, and, and I called it his butt.
1: So that's Mills Lane on Bite Night. And I'll never forget Bite Night. I wrote a chapter in my book, The Handoff on Bite Night and Mills Lane, as he took control of that fight, which was the most out-of-control Sports night of my entire life, nothing will ever compare to it. When Mike Tyson bit Holyfield's ear, all chaos broke out at the MGM Grand and Mills Lane was right there. The unintentional headbutt from Tyson, uh, from Holyfield to Tyson. Tyson loses his mind. Mills Lane lets the fight go on as there's a piece of an ear in the ring that they pick up, and then Tyson does it again and he stops the fight. And that's one of the big moments in Mills Lane's career. All the big fights that he did. He was a part of Vegas when Vegas was the biggest and remains the biggest sports city in the world for boxing. He had a big role with all that. Big fights, and whenever there was a big fight, Mills Lane was in the middle of the ring. Mills Lane, a big part of Vegas. Rest in peace. All right, when we come back, Ben Brown from Pro Football Focus. Take a look at some numbers here. The standings. And what could happen with some of the contracts? What do the 49ers do? Do they kick the tires with Baker Mayfield? I think they should. Are they going to look around for another quarterback on another team with more experience? That's coming up. Levi Edwards at the top of the hour. Jacoby Ford next hour. And your phone calls as the Raiders are set to take on the Rams Thursday night at SoFi. This is the flagship.
0: Baker has been, you know, released. You know, we had a conversation uh, today. Baker has been nothing but professional since he's been here, a complete pro. Tremendous respect for him. Uh, As Ian, I had a conversation. uh, I talked about, you know, my decision uh, at the time uh, to go to Cleveland. It was all based off him and their offense and having an opportunity to be you know, with a productive team that I felt that could move the ball. And, you know, this is a you know a tough business. Uh and sitting in this seat, you know, it's a tough decision on my part, but uh it was something that I felt like uh, was the best move for the team moving forward.
1: Well, that's a big deal. Steve Wilkes, who's the coach of the Panthers and Baker Mayfield is gone. What happens next to Baker Mayfield? Could there be a connection? with the 49ers out in Santa Clara. Joining us, as he always does, always appreciate his time. Ben Brown, kind enough to come in from Pro Football Focus. Ben, let's start with that. What do the 49ers think now with Brock Purdy? Shouldn't they have an insurance plan even after him or take a look at some veterans, or do you think they're comfortable with what they got?
4: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the the Jimmy Garoppolo injury situation happened at a time where they don't have, uh, you know, a ton of outs outside of, you know, hopefully getting, you know, waiver priority for uh you know, for Baker Mayfield to kinda of come into the fold and at least provide some semblance uh, of backup quarterback play, right? Like they don't really have that in the building right now. They very much are gonna have to sign, you know, somebody, ideally a veteran quarterback. And I think Baker Mayfield is, you know, by far the best available option uh given where they're currently at. So definitely Baker Mayfield their bust. The only question is if, you know, some of the teams higher than them on the waiver priority list. Uh, end up claiming them before they
1: can. Well, I look at the upside, and I don't know. None of us know anything about Purdy other than the Iowa State years and what he did in college. He wasn't bad. He's thirty ninth all time in the history of that position in college. So he's done some good things there. But this is such a tall task, and we don't have experience in this league with someone stepping up as Mister Irrelevant. And leading a team to a Super Bowl, I think the Niners are still going to make the, the playoffs with him at quarterback. I just can't envision him winning multiple games. How do you see it?
4: Yeah, uh, very much so. I think you know the the weird thing about Brock Purdy is he kind of got uh, you know almost worse uh, over his you know college career at Iowa State was very much thought of as probably you know close to if not uh, a first round pick after his freshman season in 2018. He was you know I, I would say probably one of the top graded. Uh, freshman quarterbacks that particular Mm. year and I think a lot of people kind of talked that he had the high-end playability to uh, you know maybe be a first-round type guy now that obviously didn't play out through the next three years of his career but he still offers I would say uh, you know a little bit of uh, you know ability from an accuracy perspective the thing that he kind of struggled with was you know the one or two throws or plays or situations that were you know catastrophically bad for the Iowa State offense and I think that that's got to be the concern with 49ers fans right now is is you very much knew that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to lose, uh, you know, football games for you. But that same question, I would say, you know, very much is a lingering doubt from Brock Purdy's perspective. Now, does Baker Mayfield also, you know, have those sorts of capabilities? I would say, yeah, especially when he's kind of been banged up with the shoulder concerns and everything else. But I, I still think you have to go in Baker Mayfield's direction, given the, you know, given the abilities of this, You know, very much like a Super Bowl caliber type roster outside of the quarterback position for San Francisco. I think you have to kick the tires on any and all possibilities. Uh, to maybe not start Brock Purdy when it's, you know, kind of crunch time in the playoffs, from my perspective.
1: Ben Brown's our guest, Pro Football Focus, going back to last night, one of the great comebacks, the greatest comeback of Brady's career, non-Super Bowl, and that was the Atlanta Super Bowl over Kyle Shanahan and what they were able to do. So last night, from a gaming perspective, and you look at analytics and gaming, it's 16-3. I mean, there had to be some people that jumped in in in-game and said, I can do the math. Brady's going to touch it twice. And the fact that they only had 16 points with the number three, we could look at 10 and 17, 16. What do you think at that point in game when you were looking at them punting and then the pass interference at the goal line, and you sensed that Brady could come back and win the game?
4: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I would say to push a little bit on the punting situation, I thought, you know, the midfield one at fourth and seven was – kind of egregiously bad obviously the result isn't what you wanted either like you punt it there um, you, you know it's a touchback in the end zone you really only gained 20 net yards on that particular you know sequence like that's a spot where you know it, it felt like they kind of gave up there and they also kind of gave up at the end of the game and and they you know in hindsight they very much didn't but that kind of required everything to break absolutely correctly for them after those two decisions so you know i I think maybe there's you know only one or two or three quarterbacks in the nfl right now who are even capable of kind of bringing their team back from such a you know being so far behind the eight ball and brady's definitely still one of them but the fact that they continue to kind of arrive at that situation you know every single week you know is very much a reason to be concerned about their you know long-term outlook for the playoffs i think you know even from my perspective and where pff has them ranked like we very much expect you know, them to be able to turn it on at some point this, you know, this some point towards the end of the season, and actually, I would say, be a pretty formidable outcome playoff time for the NFC. But, you know, if we don't see, I would say, some of these better quality performances and non, you know, frantic end of game type situations. That's going to be a really hard narrative, I would say, to buy into come
1: playoff time. Ben Brown joins us from Pro Football Focus. So Thursday night football, the Raiders have won three in a row. They're still alive. They're taking on the Rams who are done. Rams have lost six in a row, eight out of nine here. When you look at their number, line opened up. Raiders minus four and a half. Now it's at six. This injury report for the Rams is devastating for everybody who's banged up and there'll be no Cup and Stafford going forward here. What are the Rams playing for?
4: That not not much to be honest with you, and and even like you know the the high draft pick type situation like that's very much been shipped off to Detroit. So mm-hmm. unless they're kind of holding out for that second round draft pick, like they there's no real reason for why they should form be any sort of formal opponent against. The Raiders on, uh, you know, Thursday night, but it is definitely a week-to-week league, and we have seen some crazy things happen. But I'm willing to buy into, you know, the betting market movement in this direction. I do think the Raiders are very clearly the best team. Very clearly, you know, a game that they absolutely have to win. We have their playoff probabilities. You know, kind of like you said, they're definitely not dead yet. We have them with like a 10% chance if they win here. You know, that's obviously going to continue to move in the right direction. So. I I think the Raiders win. I think they kind of win in dominating fashion. I think it's, you know, a lot to do with, you know, a a high target volume for Devontae Adams and kind of allowing him to make plays on field. And I think that's kind of been... You know, in a lot of ways, the recipe for success on this, you know, most recent winning streak. And I think that, you know, given the state, even of, you know, the Rams defensively, you know, it it very much has to once again be the approach here on Thursday night.
1: Ben Brown's our guest. Ben, it looks like Miami's in trouble with their offensive line. The game against the Niners, everybody's concentrating on Garoppolo's injury, but I thought they'd give a better effort in that game and keep it closer. They weren't able to do that. The Chargers just lost in Vegas. Now I'm looking at the line here, Miami, Miami minus three. At the Chargers here, I don't. I think the Chargers are a better team, and I think Miami's in trouble. What do you see when you look at the tape of the Dolphins?
4: Yeah, it's it, you know two still really banged up team teams, kind of like you touched on, right? Like the Teron Armstead injury was kind of catastrophic to the Miami Dolphins' chances. Maybe they were still there in some ways towards the end, but I think a lot of that was because of you know early early situations breaking correctly for them with the Trent Shurfield, you know, 75 yard touchdown to start the game a- and going back to it, the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. And I think that was a game that if you, if, if you told me those two things happened was very much a game that I thought the dolphins would not only probably win, but you know, win pretty handily. And the fact that they didn't, you know, even come close to being there at the end of the game, like I think it maybe speaks to again, some concern in their direction, but you know, the, the, the chargers are also very beat up, you know, Lindsay, I think is a big loss at the center position. Almost maybe as impactful as not having Teron Armstead. I know the Dolphins did go out and sign Eric Fisher. I'm not, you know, convinced whatsoever that he's going to be any sort of increase in, you know, protection for Tua Viola, But this is a spot where two teams have been, you know, way more confounding to me than anybody else so if i was playing one side uh i would probably take you know the plus three on the los angeles chargers but uh i also think it's a spot where we could see the chargers you know once again down by two touchdowns early uh and then practically having to come back when it's all
1: said and done ben brown as we wrap it up ben the jets aren't getting much respect the bills now are playing for home field again they're playing for home field the line is minus nine for buffalo to nine and a half here. The Jets have everything to play for. They're playing for their playoff lives, but a lot of insiders think Buffalo is back now. They overtook Kansas City. They have the tiebreaker, and Buffalo's not screwing around now. They're going to look to bury everyone. Tell me about Jets at Bills.
4: Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen this before, but I do think the Jets match up, you know, surprisingly well. We have seen Mike White, I would say, play at a really high, high level. I think Garrett Wilson is kind of emerging as, you know, one of the bona fide young wide receiver talents in football. So I expect a lot of scoring against the Buffalo Bills defense that I think is still very banged up, not going to have Von Miller in the fold, Micah Hyde, all these other guys as well. And and it is still very susceptible in that secondary situation. So I I lean in the Jets direction plus nine. I think it's just a little bit too much. And we have seen Mike White, you know, I, I would say, do enough to win the game against, uh, you know, Minnesota Vikings last weekend and kind of have some things not break correctly for them. But I think we get another strong performance from them. And I think plus nine is, you know, way too much given the current state of what the Jets have been capable of, you know, o- over the past three weeks and specifically, you know, with Mike White as the quarterback.
1: You know, I don't bet, but i take my 401k, even though it got bludgeoned this year. Thank you to the market. I can't believe that the Vikings are getting points at Detroit. The Vikings are 10-2. and two. The Lions are 5 and 7. What am I missing with this line here? I know Detroit's playing well. That was one of the great offensive offensive explosions of the year last week, but that still doesn't make sense. Minnesota's got a lot to play for too, especially home games and seeding.
4: Yeah, and I think this is a spot where people, you know, fold up fold in too much emphasis on what, you know, it is perceived by everybody to be randomness or in some ways luck type factors, and I do think, you know, some of those things that people You know, equate to luck could also be elements of like coaching ability and also maybe just some like end of game type management. So I'm with you. I like the Vikings quite a bit. They are a team that I, you know, pretty actively cheer for as well. And I do think they are, you know, clearly better even without Christian Darisop playing again this weekend. And I think, you know, we're going to see that on Sunday. So. There are probably, you know, a lot of haters from Minnesota Vikings perspective pushing this line in one direction. I think maybe that speaks to, you know, their power rating metrics and how they have been probably pretty fortunate to arrive at a 10-2 record. But I still think overall they are a quality team that has, you know, the best wide receiver in football. Um, and I think we're going to see that kind of play out uh, quite a bit here on Sunday. And I do think they end up winning this game uh, pretty handily, I would say.
1: All right, Ben, last one. How bad did Deshaun Watson look? I didn't watch it. I watched the lowlights and the highlights, but I got a lot of other things going on. I couldn't watch that game because they got a game coming up against the Bengals and the Browns can get the six and seven with the win and the Bengals are coming off a high, maybe a trap game after that win against Kansas City. Was Deshaun Watson just rusty? Can he improve drastically in one game? What do you expect?
4: Yeah, I think this is going to be a multi-week, you know, concern, I would say, for the Cleveland Browns. I, you know, it's really hard to obviously shake off, you know, two years of not playing whatsoever. He was really bad from PFS perspective. I think he had, you know, maybe one uh, quality throw, and there was a few that, you know, very much were, you know, like a, a, a hand-wrapped, basically, interception in the end zone. So it was a lot of, you know, their defense put him in good positions. They had, you know, the, 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 the punt return touchdown as well. Donovan Peoples Jones, but you know, outside of those performances, they were very much on upset alert against Houston. So, if he plays anywhere close to what uh, he did uh, last Sunday, I, I, I think the Cleveland Browns are probably going to get it blown out here.
1: Thank you, Ben. Always good to talk to you. I'm always on and looking at PFF, and you're a big part of it. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you, JT. We definitely appreciate that. Have a great show.
1: You got it, Ben Brown. Really good. Hey, quick reminder I need a bicycle from you. Pretty easy here. You can join Goldfingers and Mulligan's Barn Grill for their tenth annual toy and bike drive. All donations help support underprivileged kids here in Vegas. You can pick up a bike for a hundred bucks. You can pick up a good bike for a kid. Imagine the look on a kid's face when he gets a brand new bike for Christmas. It's Goldfingers Barn Grill, one 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 five East Pile Road. Okay, just Google Goldfingers Barn Grill. They're working with us with Remy Martin to team up for excellence. Be a part of this and donate a bike if you can. We need your help with bike support. Fourth and nine,
2: 2.48
4: to go. Chargers just scored a touchdown at fourth and 12 from the Raiders 35. This from the 42. Herbert takes the snap, backpedals, drifts, throws down the far sideline. One-on-one coverage, incomplete! DeAndre Carter, the intended receiver at the 20. Nate Hobbs was step-for-step,
1: made the pass break up. It was a good play. The call from Jason Horowitz on Raiders Radio. We had to move the schedule around here a little bit. Today's a really busy day. Jacoby Ford's going to join us at 1 right at the top of the hour. He played Cliff Branch in the presentation Levi Edwards at one thirty, And how about this? Out of nowhere, T.J. Reeves, the Buccaneer sideline reporter, longtime friend of the show. He was on the field for the Brady comeback last night. Wow, just wow. The last six minutes of that game was incredible. How are you?
3: It's good to be with you, and I'm just like Tom Brady. We saved the best for the very end. We got this done. And we're sitting here the next day, and you still contemplate, how did they figure that out? How did they get the ball back? The second time, and you just remind yourself the guy has done this for 23 seasons and is 45 years old. It makes it more incredible because I'm right there at field level. There's zip on the ball. There's, there's, you know, blitzers coming at him. You got to be able to get out of the way. Uh, it was just, it was remarkable again to see Tom Brady do this.
1: I thought the key was the pass interference. There are many times I'm at a game, if back in the day, sideline reporter are still doing my role now as print Post, and when a game is out of control, if you need multiple scores, throw it in the end zone, get a flag in the end zone, get the ball at the one-yard line. Take me through that philosophy as Brady was down two scores and the deep shot gave him first and goal at the one.
3: Yeah, and you got Mike Evans. who There have been a lot of... Uh cries and complaints he's not getting the ball enough you're going to take that deep shot with him he did it with julio jones a couple times last night he had done it with mike another time earlier in the game as well but you're right you need a chunk you need 40 50 yards and quickly down in that instance by 13 and so it's the right call i mean because mike looked like he was going to come right under that ball that brady threw to the middle of the field and the db grabs him and grabbed him around the waist and kind of spun him so that's big, but you still have got to convert, which which on the very next play, Brady did hitting the rookie Kate Otten, a fantastic young tight end that's developing out of the University of Washington. And then you're thinking, can they get the I mean they got three timeouts left, they got the two minute warning left, can they get the ball back? Because if they get the ball back, they're gonna win the game. And that's exactly what they were able to do defensively and turn it back over to Brady to do his thing again. Again, I am not going to sit here with the one and only Mr. Brick and tell you the Buccaneers are not a flawed team. They are flawed. They have problems. But when you've got that guy at the controls, it makes up for a lot of ills and gives you a chance, and he took advantage of that chance again.
1: T.J. Reeves joins us, the Buccaneers sideline guy, plus a great play-by-play voice for college football talk show host, joins me from time to time. Always thrilled to have him on. So the other big deal was Andy Dalton, Steps up and hits Taysom Hill to end the game. That's third and 17. Are they going to hand it off? Kill more clock. Have the Bucs use another timeout. He hits him perfectly in a little window. And Taysom Hill's coming down with the ball. Supposed to be a big football player. He can play quarterback, tight end. He can block. Ball is dislodged. Take me through that play. I thought it was critical. That gave the Buccaneers life.
3: It did. It was an enormous play for both teams because they're going to be able to basically kneel on the ball after that. I think the Buccaneers had a uh, one timeout. I think at that point it was still outside the two minute warning, but the clock was going to run and you would either have to take the timeout to stop it for the 40 seconds or, or then they're going to, you know, kneel on the ball three times and the game is all but done. So uh, Neil makes a great play reserve safety for Atlanta Falcon. He's diving right at, play with his shoulder not with his helmet and and dislodges it and gets it out and that that led up to the obvious okay they're going to have to punt it and then tom brady went to work finding godwin finding julio jones uh and then eventually that's another thing that that in this they they got the winning touchdown to chris godwin and it's wiped out by a holding penalty with 16 seconds left Mm -hmm. brother jt you had to score the winning touchdown twice you had to then reload after the penalty Get back inside the five-yard line, and then a rookie uh, in Rashad White, a former Arizona State star, uh, runner and receiver, ends up catching the winning touchdown. I mean, you talk about an all-time story. That's Rashad White's first touchdown reception of his NFL career. It comes in a Monday night football game winner, catching it from Tom Brady with three seconds left. Uh, there are fish tails, and then there's that for Rashad White, the rookie. How about that?
1: T.J. Reeves is our guest. I, I find it amazing. I thought that game. So I'm live on the radio when it's happening, and we're throwing to the feed uh, from NFL radio and we're listening to it, and I'm, I'm looking at this going, wait a second, holding this, that, and then they put up the stat that Brady's greatest comeback of all time was the Super Bowl to Atlanta, 28-3. to Then he comes back and wins this game, and they say, it's the greatest comeback of his regular season career. Now that you had time to sit back on that, is that because they just weren't in that situation a lot in New England? Because we know about the fourth quarter comebacks. But when we're talking about that big of a deficit, it just hasn't happened much, TJ, in his career as a Buccaneer where he's already won a Super Bowl. And he had a dynasty in New England. So when did it sink into you that that was that rare of a moment in the GOAT's career?
3: No, it's a good point that you make that New England was rarely in the position to be down by 13, and if they were, it was probably a loss. They usually were up on you all the time by a touchdown, by 10, or the game is tied for him to pull it out. I will will tell you that uh, after the game, we were being flooded with information about the comeback and about how many there have been. I mean, I keep coming back to this same one if you combine the regular season and the postseason, that was the 56th time he has led the winning drive in the fourth quarter or to win a game in overtime, 56 of them, including the postseason. If you do this 15 to 20 times, JT, that's probably a Hall of Fame career, 20 times mm-hmm. or so, 56 of them. It's just ridiculous when you start looking at the numbers of what this guy has done, and I'm here to testify – he can still put zip on the ball and do what Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, who weren't even at 43, 44, 45, they didn't have the zip on the ball anymore. They could not get the could not get um, the, the proper amount of of zip on it, or or be able to throw into tight windows like what you're talking about, or throw the ball long. It, it catches up to everybody. So far, it hasn't caught up to Tom Brady.
1: T.J. Reeves, as we wrap it up, the Buck sideline reporter. So. Let's have fun taking a look at the schedule and what's in front of us here because if they lose that game, New Orleans picks up their fifth win. They're right back in it. Atlanta's alive and Carolina's actually alive after releasing Baker Mayfield where they are at. This gets the Bucks to 6 and 6. They own they control their own destiny here. And you know as a sports talk host, everybody is saying if the Bucks win, they host a home playoff game and then there's going to be a wild card team with a better record guaranteed a better record coming into Tampa to play them. So that wild card team would normally say, well, this is good for us, but no, the GOAT's there. Tom Brady, and Tom Brady and the Bucks could look ahead and say, hey, if we hold on to the division, we're going to take on a battle-tested team. That's fun to talk about.
3: Oh, there's no question. And I'm, I'm thinking when you're saying this, and we've been saying it now, For a couple of weeks, just find a way to get to January and get to the tournament. And do you want to come play Tom Brady at home in a playoff situation? I mean, let's be honest. The Buccaneers are going to get a first uh, weekend home playoff game, and then you're going to have to go on the road uh, if you do win it and see what happens. But for right now, if you're the Cowboys, if you're the Giants, if you're the Seahawks in a rematch, if you're maybe the Commanders who've been winning games, again, that's your reward. For making it to the playoffs is to come play that guy, especially when you've now seen they don't even have to be playing that well, that well for him to bail out the Buccaneers like what he did. Uh, that 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 is dangerous, and I don't know that you want any part of that. I don't I don't care how good Dallas looks in a one game scenario against Brady at his place. That's trouble. So I'm sure there were a lot of people around the league that wanted New Orleans to go ahead and find a way to to. Finish that game off because nobody's going to fear Andy Dalton. Who are we kidding, JT? Even even mm-hmm. in a road situation, who's going to fear Marcus Mariota? Who's going to fear whatever the quarterback option is in Carolina? Uh, you're going to fear Tom Brady if he's lining up against you in January in the postseason.
1: All right. So last thing, when I think about the Buccaneers, why aren't they playing well? The struggle with the offense. And walk us through, we know the offensive line from earlier in the year and the injuries there, but who they're getting back, who they have, you know, who they got some great players and some established players, especially on the outside. We know Fournette, when healthy, has proven his legacy and what he's done in that community. Give me a best-case scenario of what we can see going forward because Brady on the postgame show last night made it clear they need to score more points. They need this offense gelling heading into the playoffs.
3: Well, and you're right, and we could sit here for another five minutes. I know you don't have that to talk about the ills, especially of the lack of a running game. You're not able to, to score punches, uh, you know, uh, points in bunches here. The bottom line is you're you're now you are what you are. You are now a team that understands we're going to score about seventeen, twenty, maybe twenty-four points. So you've got to manufacture how you keep the other team down. They haven't had a lot of takeaways as of yet, which has been surprising because Todd Bowles' defense ever since he's been here with Bruce Arians has been great at taking it away. JT, they got two takeaways, mm-hmm. two in the last eight games. Didn't have one again for another game last night. you got to get back to taking the ball away some uh, here for this, run it some. They're dead last in the NFL in yards per game running the ball, but they're going to have to run it mm-hmm. some if they want to go anywhere uh, at the end of this season and uh, in January. But, flaws at all as much as there are ills you cannot complain about the dramatic victories over the rams a month ago and now this win because that has put you in position to do some damage so for all the complaining about what's wrong the ledger still says six and six and leading the division i know you know that
1: last one i just want to praise gene deckerhoff who is someone that i followed his entire career whenever we're in the same building for a game which is rare I shake his hand, uh, the longtime voice of Florida State, the longtime voice, fire the cannon. When you're on the sideline and something like that happens and you go sit down with Gene afterwards, And it, it must be great for you as a sports broadcaster to be associated with that broadcast with him, knowing that he has another great signature moment in his career as a play-by-play no, no, voice. No doubt.
3: And, I, and I've had the pleasure on a couple of occasions of being standing there with him after a game when you and I are doing this, and I handed him the phone You'll remember it was after New England last year, and after that great win on Sunday night, uh, I was on with you, and I handed him the phone just to give you a fire them cannons just (laughs) just for you. Uh, The man is a 13-time Florida Sportscaster of the Year, 13 times. Again, it's like Tom Brady. If you win it once or twice, you've done pretty well. Uh, he's in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame, did Florida State football for 43 years. He's now retired from that. He's now solely doing the Buccaneers, and it's kind of a year-to-year thing. I'll tell you this. You want to keep coming back for these Brady moments. Uh, and Gene was in, in tremendous form again last night.